are ready to get started with the City of Iowa City work session on July 6, 2021. And I want to welcome everybody back to in person. Happy to see you here today. And um, this is the Senior Center, and so it's a beautiful historic building. So I wanted to just give a few housekeeping things. The restrooms are out um, to my left um, when you leave here, and there's also a water fountain uh, if one should need that. Going to get started with our first item on the agenda, which is the presentation by Project Better Together. And we'll have the officials regarding an inclusive regional visioning process come. Welcome. Thank you, Mayor and Council. Uh, my name is Josh Schamberger. I'm the president of Think Iowa City, which is the Iowa City Corollary Convention of Visitors Bureau. Joined here by a couple of my colleagues and peers, Nancy Bird, president of downtown district, and Kate Moreland, who's president of ICAD. Uh, Kim Casco, president of the Iowa City Area Business Partnership, wasn't able to, to make this particular meeting. So we're going to fill in for her. Uh, but really, we're just here to kind of fill you in on what we're going to be planning next as, as this project Better Together Coalition um, that has, was formed about, about a year ago. So I know you're very familiar with that, so I won't go into a lot of great deal, detail on Project Better Together other than to say um, it has been in place since late March of uh, 2020 when our four organizations quickly aligned our communications and marketing teams uh, in an effort to kind of expedite delivery of information that was coming out at a city, state, and national level related to the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, the resources and, and just that sort of information that was coming out, we wanted to get that out as quickly as possible and, and streamline those efforts. And, and through that time and, and through this Project Better Together uh, effort, uh, which many of you have been a part of, you know, we've certainly recognized some, some pretty incredible efficiencies of our four uh, private economic and community development organizations here in the Iowa City, Coralville, Johnson County area. So through that, um, we have some exciting opportunities as to what Project Better Together uh, sort of 2.0 looks like. And we shared quite a bit of that at a, at a meeting about a month ago at kind of a year-ender sort of recap. And so uh, Kate Moreland's going to get into a little bit of that. And really, we're just here to kind of invite you into that process and, and look, uh, move forward with our organizations, uh, our economic development agencies, uh, to really conceptualize what a shared future looks like for this entire community, uh, not just city, city, county, university, but the entire community. So. Uh, I'm going to have ask Nancy Bird to come up next and just share a little bit about some of the successes we've had, and then we'll throw it to Kate to kind of outline what the next steps are and to invite you to be part of the process. Welcome, Nancy Bird. And I also want to acknowledge that our Mayor Pro Tem, uh, Salih, is on the phone. So if we hear someone chime in, uh, Mayor, are you, Mayor Pro Tem, are you there? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so she may hear. chime in with a question or, or every now and then, so. Wonderful. Welcome. Well, thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Council, for allowing us to, to speak today. Um, and I'll make my remarks very brief, but I think, um, you know, everyone experienced last year. It was a very challenging year. Um, but one of the things that we saw through the process of um, really getting more coordinated, being more collaborative, and being more organized is that we were able to do things that we've really never done before in this county. Um, one of the, the 
key things is coordinated information um, from trusted groups. Um, you know, making sure that this Project Better Together uh, regional committee that was formed really exchanged information, helped allow for people to um, test the waters with how they would work with their employees, the messages they wanted to share with the general public. Um, and that group continues to meet, um, well, it was every Friday through since May of 2020, they met every week just to check in. So that, that in itself was valuable. But we also did a number, a, a, a significant amount of fundraising to allow for one of the bigger, um, probably economic impacts of the holding our own um, shop local campaign, which raised over, you know, essentially raised funding from, from banks and, and other municipal partners and county partners, but then also invited the private sector in to help support the retail, restaurant, and uh, hospitality environment at that time with over $800,000. Um, those kinds of things are kind of unprecedented and hadn't, hadn't been done in the past. Um, so we are really um, appreciative of the, of the opportunity there for everyone to come together. Um, Beyond that, though, there's other opportunities that are still out there, and I think being organized so that we can work together and help seek out that larger public funding um, from the federal government and from other governmental levels, we can only do that if we're more organized. So, um, you know, whether it's, you know, getting out signage for everybody so that we all understand what's happening and that it's coming from the same source so the information is, is similar, there's a lot of ways that we can do this. So um, the success of the last year, I think everyone's... Um, that we've talked to our stakeholder base and, and our board is really interested in continuing the momentum um, of all those lessons learned and things that we can do in the future. So Kate's going to talk a little bit about that. Thank you for having us today. Um, like Nancy and Josh both said, I think we're really in a position where we want to turn from this common crisis and look forward to a common vision of what our future uh, can be for our entire community. And so. We're really looking, uh, about a month, two months ago, we started thinking about what's next. We've been focused so much on short-term actions for so long, and you know this better than anyone as a city council, just responding, responding, reacting, reacting. And so we wanna shift into more of a reimagination phase uh, for our community. What could the future look like? What have we learned over the last year? What have we uncovered? What do we know to be true? And then really focusing in on the data that we have for our community to make sure that we're making really positive, um, good decisions to help everyone thrive moving forward. And so we reached out to a known futurist who's worked with a lot of communities, has actually spent some time in the Iowa City area, so she's familiar with our community um, as a source of someone we could um, potentially work with. And we saw some of the success she had had in other locations around the country. And we really liked the process that she uses um, to be able to gather feedback, which will be a little bit different than what maybe normally um, you see. And so really the objectives of this Better Together 2030 are to develop a clear data-driven perspective of the region's future. This will include demographic data, economic, technology, political, and environmental trends that will affect how residents live, work, and learn. We want to include voices from um, all of our population, our immigrants, our BIPOC community, children, and other voices that are often missing at the community and economic development decision-making table. And then lastly, just defining priorities for the region's 2030 future that are clear, that can be shared by public, private, nonprofit, and social sector stakeholders throughout the region. We hope they will be ambitious and positively impact all residents. 
And the pro process that uh, she uses is called the foresight process, which is something that NATO uses, Disney uses. It's a very forward-thinking strategic process um, that's scenario-based, and so we'll be coming out talking to community members, we'll receive feedback in a lot of different ways, um, but we're gonna try to ensure that there's an opportunity for everyone who wants to to have a voice uh, in this process. So be looking for opportunities as a community um, to be part of uh, a larger think tank. We'll have a steering committee as well, um, but really this is about our residents and the people that live in this county and envisioning the future they wanna see. And so we're excited to partner with all of our communities and the county as a whole and a lot of organizations um, to really look at uh, what the future holds and again just how our community members can all thrive coming out of this challenging time so I'm happy to answer any questions um, and want to thank you for entertaining us tonight great thanks for coming and talking about project better together I know that Councillor Mims was our representative uh, from the council and uh, Mayor Pro Tem Salee, she was a representative for CWJ. So I know that they had firsthand uh, involvement in this. And so I'll open it up to the counselors just to chime in. I would just say thanks to the four groups, um, mm -hmm. the three that are represented here, as well as the business partnership. Kate can't or um, Kim can't be here tonight, but. The work that they did in coordinating this whole process from the time we started and getting input from people, um, Johnson County Public Health and coordinating with UIHC and Mercy and the VA hospital as we were really in the beginning of the pandemic and really looking at what we could do to get through this um, in the best way possible um, was just impressive. I, I met more people in those 12 to 15 months that we've been doing this that are you know right in this community that I didn't know and so the coordination was just fantastic and now to say okay we've kind of gotten through this we've got a pretty high vaccination rate here we're hopefully coming out the other side and to take this cooperation between those organizations and with the municipalities and the county etc and now move it to the next step of really envisioning what we want for a future and i will tell you from listening to all the people on there and the leaders there is a definite commitment on inclusion um you know as as kate said from you know the bipoc community immigrant community all ages etc to what what does that future look like for all different people in this area and so i'm really excited to to kind of see how that plays out and how we move forward so thank you to the three of you as well as to kim thank you well, it's a short presentation, but I, I certainly echo what Susan said. I was impressed with that inclusion, um, the, the, the degree to which inclusion is going to be emphasized is, is really inspiring. Uh, I had a, uh, one question is, who, who is the futurist that you referred to? What is I'm sorry, I should have named her. Uh, Rebecca Ryan, who's a nationally known futurist. Rebecca? Ryan. Ryan, okay, yes. thanks. So I attended the celebration uh, for Project Better Together, which was kind of just, uh, and, and I'm not exactly sure what the term was, but it was talking about the 2030 future for the community. And there's much more to the presentation than we saw today, I'll tell you. Um, but the hope was very inspiring because it really does um, reach across the aisles to serve a lot of people, to serve all people in our community. Um, and I think that's a key part 
that uh, Councilor Mims just mentioned is that we want to make sure that everyone is represented. represented. And, and you said something that really stuck to me is um, by the lessons learned. Um, so we have learned a lot of lessons through the COVID-19 crises. And I think uh, learning from that to really engage people in uh, opportunity to how do we want our community to look? I think that's a, a really key question that we'll continue to ask. It'll be re redefined often. Um, and I really am hopeful that what comes out of Project Better Together really is community uh, driven. And that's what I'm very hopeful for. And thanks to all of you for being our leaders. I know Mark um, was also uh, at the you know, at the front end of this, really trying to move the meetings along. Um, and to everyone that sat at the table, I really appreciate all of the work that you all did. So thanks to uh, Councilor Mims and Mayor Pro Tem who was here. Because I know it was a lot of work. It wasn't easy. Uh, some of the answers weren't easy. Um, and even moving forward, what that looks like, I think still will be determined. Um, and I know that me personally, uh, as a, you know, being here on city council, want to make sure that I can do what I can to ensure its success. So thanks to all of you. Thank you, Mayor. I would just quickly add not only a lot of the elected officials on there, but there were a lot of staff members across the area. And so Jeff Ruin, our city manager, was on most of the meetings, as was Ryan Heyer from North Liberty and Kelly Hayworth um, from Coralville. And typically, um, Royce Ann Porter was there most of the time, I think, from the county as well. So there were, um, obviously, Royce Ann's elected, but we had uh, staff there. And I think, I think Jeff and Kelly and Ryan were really important, especially as we first got started in trying to figure out how the municipalities were responding and helping coordinate some stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. They were uh, rock solid during that process. and. And I think we all learned from each other mm -hmm. um, and things we were trying one place, we shared and tried other places and it was just um, the communication and collaboration, I think, between the cities, I think Jeff would agree was really helpful. So with, with the pressure off some, with at least temporarily, at least the pandemic, the pandemic easing, how do you all keep the pressure on to make sure that that you move that you move forward and, and we don't just fall back into our silos yeah we've maintained those meetings to be monthly now so we're still bringing that group together once a month so we'll keep that that group apprised of this visioning work some of them will also of you will also be part of you know either that steering committee or the the larger think tank group um, so we we think that leadership group is really still important to to have that opportunity to connect once a month and so for as long as they're willing to come and I can tell you that's one thing that really impressed me is people really did show up every Friday mm -hmm. um, uh, which was a big time commitment so I think there was they saw value in that and those relationships have formed and so yes we will keep that going Janice just so that there's continuity is there a particular place where we can look to see updates and kind of track what's going on we will continue to update the Project Better Together uh, website. Uh, I think it's we're all in this together. Um, yeah, I see area together. Thank you, Josh. He's more of a marketer than me. Um, and so uh, you can check that. We're just now finalizing um, kind of this, the plan of work. 
And so once we have that schedule, we'll post that there and we'll certainly push it out through all of our channels, communication channels as well, so people know what to expect. We plan to hopefully have a vision by January. So it's about a five month process. All right. All right. Thanks to all of you for being here today. Thank you very much. Great. All right. Well, we are through our agenda item. Wanted to go move on to clarification of agenda items. So nothing on the formal agenda. We'll move on to June 17th. Info packet. I did have a question. Sorry, this is just going back to Project Better Together. Um, are you still our representative or did we? Okay, Yep. great. I know we have mentioned something about staff maybe attending Oh, that wasn't for this. It was for the Access Center. Right. Yes. All right. Great. So info packet June 17th. I'd like to thank staff. IP3 um, update on the one-year progress report on our resolution from last June regarding Black Lives Matter movement. I think it's really good for us and the public to kind of see in one kind of concise place um, the progress that we have made. Um, I think there are some in the public who don't think we've made any progress, and I think that really does outline uh, what we've done in roughly 12 months' time, uh, and certainly we have a lot more to do, but I think it's a good, concise place of all that we've done so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do find it very valuable to have everything in one place to kind of figure out um, the 17 items that we started and where we are today. Um, I, I know that we still have some work to do, and we'll be having some of this on future uh, work session agendas so that we can certainly, um, you know, spend some time on a few items that are still lingering. Um, Mr. Mayor, are we, are we going to come back at some point to what the, 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 the MRAP issue? Yes, yeah, so we certainly can. We know that the county has had a discussion here recently, um, and so my assumption is um, maybe we can maybe get a hear from them again uh, some official statement as to what they're doing um, I don't know if they're I, I know that Brack um, the, the Conco um, the sheriff had a discussion um, and I think many of us read or e and even had uh, conversations re regarding that um, I do think that we can certainly um, figure out where they are um, with that, with the MRAP. And sort of figure out where, where we are and where we want to be because, I mean, when we sent, when we sent, or when you sent the letter mm -hmm. last year, it was requesting then Sheriff Polkravic to, um, to dispose of essentially the, the MRAP and he declined and that's sort of where we left it at that point. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I just think that it's probably useful at this point. New sheriff, new, um, and the and, and things, and, and we're still here just to come back and take a look at that again, and whether what what we what we want to do as a council about that. I agree with uh, Councillor Weiner on that because I, I did watch the discussion of the supervisor meeting, and they kind of left it to the sheriff to to decide if maybe he wanted to do some type of other armored vehicle, and if it's something that's not so ostentatious and big and army looking we may want to still share with that but otherwise I thought it was kind of the consensus of the group that we really didn't want any part of utilizing the MRAP so it kind of came as a surprise that that we had I mean I yeah I think we should discuss it again because there's certainly discussion in the public about what we said and did versus action that has happened since then mm -hmm. and my recollection is that we have been apprised um, of when the Iowa City Police Department had a significant safety issue where they felt it was necessary to use that for the safety of the officers as well as the surrounding um, houses and residents um, but maybe we need to have a more public discussion to really clarify where we are at on that as a council. Um, I think that would be helpful. I, I agree. Think from, I think from the discussion there was um, opportunity to look at different vehicles and I think, um, it, you know, because there is still a safety concern mm -hmm. that I think won't go away in certain situations. And so, um, I, you know, if council wants to think about, you know, the safety part of it, maybe we can have some type of um, opportunity. Maybe it was very clear that there was a vehicle that was a little smaller, I forget what they call them, um, but it was bear about cat. 200. Bearcat, right. Bear, bear? Bearcat. It's a bearcat. Bear, bear it's, it's a civilian armored vehicle. And I believe it was like 200 to 250,000. Um, and so, you know, if um, that would be purchased, the MRAP was free and so I believe that there has to be some financial contributions. Um, my assumption is that Iowa City, we're, 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 we're big here um, and so I, we could imagine that we could be asked to pay about 50% potentially. And so that's something that we just have to you know, think about when we're having the discussion about a replacement vehicle. But if it is okay with council, um, maybe we could at least touch base and get some type of a, um, maybe we can, you know, touch base with uh, the sheriff and just see what, you know, considerations from that conversation have, you know, are being made at this point uh, to give council some type of a, a, a baseline to work with. Mayor, if it'd be helpful, I can work with the police chief to, to kind of frame the issue up in a memo for you and include um, that uh, the latest from the county. We can touch base with Sheriff Kunkel and understand what options he's considering. And then I'm happy to outline um, how the Iowa City Police Department currently uses the vehicle under what circumstances and what alternatives to not using the vehicle look like, if that would be helpful. And you can, we can schedule a work session um, to, to run through that. I'm seeing yeah. shaking of heads. Yes, okay. please. I'm Thank you. Happy to pull that together. Okay. Any other items from June sixth, seventeenth? Mm -hmm. 
Moving on to June 24th. I just, I wanted to reference IP2, which is the Tracy Hatchew's memo on from Neighborhood and Development Services on eviction, on the eviction diversion program, the various things that, uh, that, um, that we're doing together with other entities uh, in the county and the, and the state and the extent to which the Iowa Finance Authority is, is paying out and what we've done with Shelter House and CWJ and so forth. Um, I did touch base today also with, um, with Sarah Barron to see where things stand in terms of Johnson County and people at risk um, and the, the numbers, uh, I mean, she, she said that what the decisions that we made at the last work session were incredibly helpful um, in terms of preventing bad outcomes for people since obviously nobody, nobody benefits from people losing their housing mm -hmm. or, or, and being evicted. So she said there were, um, as of Friday, there were 800 cases in Johnson County that were ready to review um, that um, 115 had been denied most because they wanted more information and people hadn't necessarily provided it and so they're working with a lot of, in a lot of different ways to try and make sure that that information is provided uh, and uh, a, a whole variety of initiatives and 160 applications have been paid so I mean because the the federal the the CDC's moratorium has been extended till the end of this month but then then that's done so I mean I think that our I just want to also make the point that make sure everybody also listening to us is clear that the, the, the various efforts that, that we have made together with the state and a variety of other funds and working through nonprofits here um, and with nonprofits has, is really still making a difference and, and will continue to make a difference. Tracy Highshoes memo noted that by using local dollars, tenants will have enough time to access up to 12 times the local investment amount for federal assistance and I think that's a positive that yep. our local funds and local funds just not ours are being extended so yeah thanks for that update any other item from June 24th here and none September, I'm sorry, <laughs> jumping ahead, <laughs> July 1st, 2021. Mayor, I was just hoping to um, discuss maybe adding an item to our upcoming or pending work sure. session topics, mm -hmm. um, which is IP3 in this packet. Um, I've talked with a few of you about this and just wanted to sort of vet it with the whole group as far as low intensity commercial uses in residential zones. So this issue arose based on a, a fundraiser for a nonprofit that had a suggested donation um, and it was deemed to be a commercial use because it was occurring in a residential zone. And I uh, understand that the city's policy is to enforce, and that's prohibited activity under our code, and so the city's policy is to enforce on a complaint basis, um, which I think leaves individuals who may be participating in those kinds of events or nonprofits who may be benefiting from those events and not really knowing um, if it would be allowed because it, if enforcement only occurs 
on the basis of complaints. Um, and I think it'd be great to have a little bit broader conversation as well, talking about low intensity uses um, that that could be deemed commercial. I mean, things like the, you know lemonade stand, uh, Girl Scout cookies being sold door to door, you know, wholly indoor activities that may occur in someone's home on a very infrequent basis. So I talked with the city attorney and with the city manager briefly about just the possibility of having some kind of um, exclusions by right for certain types of low intensity commercial quote unquote uses or exempting those or better defining what could be commercial to allow for that kind of activity. So the, uh, the question is um, to have low intensity commercial uses on a future work session. That would be my request if okay. people agree. Um, I'm seeing some shaking of yep. heads, so yes, we'll put it on a future work session. Thank you. And Mayor Pro Tem, you just have to chime in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, great. So we'll have that on the future work session. Um, we do have a little time, so maybe we can look at our calendar for the rest of the year. Um, because I believe it's on this one. So, and Kelly, maybe you can uh, talk about the, the holiday dates around Thanksgiving and December. Sure, um, so tentatively I put out there the, the typical first and third, um, except for in November where on election day we've typically moved it to Monday. So I went ahead and did that. Uh, in December, it's the first and third on the tentative schedule, but in November there are um, three Tuesdays that are spaced two weeks apart. So if you guys were looking to, sometimes we'll drop like the, the late December meeting. If you wanted to keep that, that two week meeting separation, you could do November 1st, the 16th, the 30th, and then December 14th and then have that two week uh, break over the holidays and come back January 4th. I'll just note that um, Thanksgiving is Thursday the 25th and so it will be the following Tuesday that we would have the meeting. And then it would be the second Tuesday in December. Any conflicts or thoughts? My only potential conflict is the first meeting in September, but that's just my issue <laughs> because it, it ends up falling on, on Rosh Hashanah, but that'll just be my own personal decision. In terms of the rest of it, I guess I would suggest we stay with that first and third. I mean, it keeps us away from the week of Thanksgiving in November. And then as we get closer, just make a decision on whether we keep that De December 21st or if we feel like we can forego that meeting and come back on the first Tuesday of January. Be my suggestion. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
I, I think I would prefer having uh, that second November meeting be the be the end of it, not to have the 11:30 meeting because it would be after Thanksgiving, and it sure. Um, and then I guess we can just play it by ear in December in terms of whether we need that second meeting. Is it possible that we can potentially, and, and I would agree, I think no third meeting in November. Um, so we would have the December 7th meeting. And then if it is okay, can we plan not to have the 21st? That's the, you know, a holiday week as well. Would people be okay with that? And then we can maybe potentially plan a special meeting should we need one? I guess to me, with it being like five months out, I would say let's just leave it on the calendar for now. And as okay. we get into September, October, we have a little bit better idea what our calendar looks like or what items mm -hmm. um, are pressing to decide if we either could just give it up or if we would need sure. to move it to a different date. People might know their calendars a little bit better by then, too. Yeah. Any uh, look like there's head nodding? All right. You can hear me. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. I would really ask you to have us in December and um, like to be maybe a bit third, but to be like the third Tuesday, fourth Tuesday, I don't know, but like to have the second meeting that's going to be my meeting as a So I'm having a little trouble understanding. I'm not sure if anyone else. Yep, you were breaking up a little bit. I would like us the second meeting, two meeting, and you, even the first one, but the second one definitely. So you're thinking the second in December, you're thinking we need two meetings? Yes. Okay. And it sounds like we're going to have that discussion in around September. based on what what all items we have all right all right any more items from July 1st to meeting and you you seem like when I ended early. Um, so if you're talking about the meetings right now, nothing has changed. They'll all be uh, first and third Tuesdays, both in November and December. And then in September, we'll be able to determine the meetings moving forward, you know, for those two months. And, and for those that don't know, Mayor Pro Tem is um, not with us. Of course, she's virtual. And so sometimes we know that there's lag in Wi-Fi and all those things. So 
All right. Any other item for July 1st? Okay. So for IP4, um, we have a joint meeting um, on July 19th. And typically, I don't know who the host is for that meeting. That school district is the host this time. Okay. Um, any items that we want to put on that agenda? Well, one that I would throw out there would be uh, the question of fireworks. I've certainly been hearing a fair amount of concern about their impacts, at least in the parts of Iowa City that I have, you know, I'm hearing from. Um, so I, it seems to me um, it might, that might be a useful venue to try to see if we can't, as a metro area, come up with a unified plan for how we, or at least talk about, is the possibility of a unified plan uh, to address, you know, the question of the fireworks and uh, what, if any, changes we may want to make to our current policies. Do we know how many um, companies sold fireworks this year? Because a part of a part of the issue is is that people can come and sell fireworks in the in the community, mm -hmm. but <laughs> what they're selling isn't always allowable. Right. And so that is problematic as well. The state law is what's really restricting us. I mean, they require us, as I recall, they require us to allow them to sell them, even though we can prevent them. The city attorney is ready to jump in. Right, that's right. I can't remember if it was a couple years ago or so. The state preempted local uh, municipalities from preventing the sale um, of fireworks, uh, but we can uh, ban and do uh, ban the use within city limits. And so I understand what you're saying, Mayor. It can be a confusing message for those who are coming within city limits to buy fireworks and have them understand that you can't fire them here. You need to go elsewhere to fire them. And yeah, enforcement's been difficult. I think it was helpful when we as a city uh, determined that uh, it would help if we banned where they could be sold because they were popping up in every Walmart and every Hy-Vee and, and uh, we limited it just industrial. They had to be in an industrial area and I think that helped and we maybe could discuss that because I don't know what the other communities, North Liberty and Coralville did if they have that sort of a regulation too. But I think that was somewhat helpful. But do, do we have an idea of how many uh, calls we might have gotten this year compared to last year? I, I, th um, I just had a brief report. I think the... Um, the 24-hour period around the 4th of July, we had over 100 calls for service, which, of course, we can't keep up with um, uh, with, with our staffing levels. So it, it is one of those um, conundrums when we can't really do anything about it. And even if we, even when we do respond to calls, it's often a, a concerned neighbor uh, that, that is hearing loud noise, but they can't point us in the direction necessarily of where those fireworks are being shot off at they could be anywhere within a few hundred feet radius of the caller and it's it's rare that we can actually track down uh, the people that are are lighting the fireworks but um, councilman taylor's uh, right that uh, um, zoning out the sale to industrial uh, property has helped quite a bit we don't see nearly as many sales in iowa city as we did that first year and i don't know if we had any this year we may have had uh, a, a couple but certainly um, 
it's it's not hard for people to access fireworks even if you even if you you know had to leave Johnson County and go to one of our neighboring counties it's not that not that difficult well, one one of the things I was was hearing from folks is that it's uh, you know what we're seeing are I don't know depending on I guess the, the location but 70 percent smaller grade fireworks and then 30 percent of the type where you know they're they're being shot well up into the air and uh, you know they're they're being shot well up into the air from a particular location for an extended period of time um, for example in my neighborhood North Market Square and Happy Hollow were a mess the morning afterwards because there was so much so many fireworks being fired in that in those locations so it's it's not small stuff and um, you know, there, there are particular locations, I think, in Iowa City, and I, I suspect the, the bigger fireworks require a certain amount of area. You know, you're not going to see those in a, in a limited, confined space. They, they need some space in which to fire those. So it, it would tend to be, it seems from what I was hearing, neighborhood parks were often the locations. Um, so I don't know. I was doing a quick search, you know, this morning and seeing that, um, and I don't know what the outcome of this, but you know, the um, the Quad Cities, you know, were, I think they allow the use of fireworks for a certain limited time frame, but they were having a zero tolerance policy beyond that time frame, because um, that's one of the other issues that that I was seeing was. The, the use of them was extending well into the night, you know, midnight, one o'clock. Uh, they, they weren't coming to a close at 10 or 11 o'clock. Um, so part of the problem seemed to be just this, it was, seemed unending, you know, it was just not something where it was winding down. Um, so anyway, it seemed to me, um, I, it, it just piqued my interest in terms of what can we do about this because there were uh, a number of people quite upset about it. As far as medical and fire, do we know um, any numbers about that? There was, a, um, I mean, in terms of injuries, there's a, uh, there was an article, I think, in, in the Gazette today about UIHC talking about the number of, I don't have, know it offhand, but talking about the number of fireworks-related injuries that they saw over the last few days, um, which, of course, you know, it's not, it's a, it is a conundrum, but it's probably worth discussing. Um, I, I went out, I mean, you know, there's sort of also individuals. I went out like last night sometime after 10 o'clock, the entire neighborhood was dark, but there was someone, a house behind a neighbor um, was shooting stuff off. And during a break, I actually yelled at them and they quit to my astonishment. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we couldn't just, was it the university that yeah, it, the, they, yeah, they had a, they talked to someone at UIHC about what they saw in the ER and so forth. Historically, staff has provided you a memo, usually mid to late July, with a recap on all our calls for service. We provide um, a geographic kind of pinpoints uh, so you can see where those calls are being generated from. And then we provide um, uh, information from Johnson County Ambulance, too. So we, we intend to pull that together. Um, I think the um, sale period maybe ends today or it, it extends a few days beyond the 4th of July. So we usually wait for a few days for the sale period to end, people to 
probably use the inventory they bought and then we'll report to you and you can take that up at one of our meetings but if you want to put on the joint meeting you certainly you certainly could too I think it'd be beneficial for the joint meeting I don't know what other mm -hmm. people think sure. good idea is that something you can have prepared at least for us to reference and, and yeah. maybe an info packet that we can just reference at yeah the, we can do that okay great all right and then I think the school, the school district may itself be putting on the, the topic of lost local option sales tax um, because they're they're starting to, they're starting to talk seriously with people about um, using it potentially if we if it were to be approved using it to um, to fund early childhood education. That I mean I that's going to be theirs to put on, but I'm pretty sure it will be on. I think it would be good to get updates at least from us and the county on the public input process for the American Rescue Plan Act funds. So I think we'll have, that'll be underway. And just to be able to make sure all the communities and entities know about it, we can do that. Yeah, I asked, I mean, I asked Jeff about it today to sort of find out where we stand with our schedule for for American Rescue Plan, public fora, and so forth. So maybe ask, and I don't know that it needs to be, I mean, we'll suggest it, but maybe ask for reports from all entities. Well, there could be a lot of entities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of municipalities. Well, I think as far as we know, we in the county are the only ones maybe doing that, but it'd be helpful to maybe exert some peer pressure for so just the others who are there. The reports sure. Okay. All right. Any other items suggested for the joint entities meeting? Moving on to council updates on assigned boards, commissions, and committees. Well, there was a, um, the, the JEXA committee met. You were, they delayed their meeting, so Susan was, couldn't come. It was actually a pretty full meeting. They um, reported on um, a couple of things of interest, in general interest. One is the new 911 contract with the state of Iowa shared services interface. And the, 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 the interesting thing about that is that um, it will save its, the, the quality will not change and it will save um, almost $300,000 in budgeted funds over the next three year, uh, over the next five years. Um, and the, the 911 uh, surcharge will completely fund it. So that, um, and uh, they, they also approved a, a regional backup system um, which is basically three steps down if someone, it's very rarely used, but if someone, if someone, if one county or one organization can't respond, uh, as well as a maintenance services agreement. So there's actually a lot of, uh, a lot of work culminated in decisions made at this meeting. Um, and I also wanted to, I'll thank Parks and Rec for uh, for allowing the local amateur radio operators to do field day on the 26th and 27th um, of, of June at the, the, the north side of Hickory Hill Park. 
it's, um, I don't know if any, if most people know what it was. I grew up in an amateur radio family, so my dad was very active in it, so I'm aware. Basically what they do is, is gin up uh, complete emergency communications not connected to electricity. They use generators, they, 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 hang, they put up their own they put up their own antennae. They contact people uh, all over the state and actually over the country and around the world. And they, they have the capacity, which has actually been used semi-regularly in cases of natural disaster, to take that package different places and gin up communications. I remember my dad going after the big Charles City tornado. They went and set up emergency communications because despite cell phones and everything, it doesn't, things don't always Things don't always operate, and you don't have you don't otherwise have the capacity. So they can, and they're hooked into a lot of different um, networks now that they didn't used to be. Um, I would just sort of add on a personal note that the the interesting thing about it for me also was that it was on my dad what would have been my dad's hundredth birthday. So it was great to go out and see them and see some people I knew from way back way back when, but they're still functioning and they're they really do perform a service for the community. Any other updates? All right. Hearing none, we will adjourn until 5, 6 p.m. Um, <laughs> for our formal meeting. And we'll be meeting back here in this room. And so we have a little time. And good seeing everybody in person again. Yeah.